Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So good evening, welcome back to Charming Live. Uh, we've had a bit of a break because there's been no game, so uh, we've, uh, we're finally back though. This is uh, Louis Mendes here in the studio at the Valley, joined by Mr Tom Wanning. How are you doing Tom? Good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you here on the, uh, the big match preview, of course. Uh, trying to play it cool on this one, but we've got South London Derby on uh, oh, yeah. on, the, on uh, Saturday. Uh, so uh, a defeat, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the way not not a tough prediction this yeah, week. That's the, that's the way these things go, unfortunately, when we're playing Millwall. But we will look ahead to that game. But during this uh, this evening's show, we're going to uh, talk about signings, incomings, comings and goings. Really, since uh, since our last show this time last week. Uh, we see a couple coming in, one going out. By my count, I don't know if I've, I think I've got the right amount. I think there. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're also going to talk about Saturday. Is uh, the game is going to be dedicated to raising the profile of the Cholton Athletic Community Trust's Street Violence Ruin uh, Ruins Lives campaign. Uh, so we're going to hear from uh, from Nick Darville. He's the crime, well, he's the outgoing crime reduction manager. He's actually left the trust now, but he's just polishing off this uh, this day. Uh, so we're going to hear from him, find out what the campaign's all about. We're going to talk about the women's team, uh, five nil win. If we get time, there's a very special anniversary uh, today, so we might we might discuss uh, what happened on this night a year ago. If we get time, we're going to preview, of course, the Millwall game. Hearing hearing from Carl Robinson, but of course, it's Charlton Connection, and now this week. Uh, the uh, the young up and coming striker Kevin Nisby is going to be our chunk connection. If you've got any memories of Kevin Nisby, uh, his time at the Valley, what are your favourite memories of him? Uh, let us know. You can email us studio at chantonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at chantonlive. You can do that for any of our subjects tonight. Let us know what you've made of the transfer business uh, so far during the summer. What you've made of our new signings that have come in uh, in the last week or so, and what you've uh, what you've made of uh, what you think was going to happen against Millwall. Uh, what, what you made of the women's team uh, win if you came to that on, on Sunday if you won the four four five hundred or so who came to that let us know uh, but right so so, so we, we came back this time last week for a little catch up show to talk about um, the signings we've made over the Christmas period and the games during that Christmas period but then because we didn't have a game last Saturday we, uh, I went to centre pass what did you do? Uh, what did I do? oh nothing nothing nothing, nothing. nothing. Oh, lovely. No, I was even going to come to the women's game but slept in that day as well so I missed that <laughs> slept in that was like a one o'clock <laughs> Yeah, and you only live down the road. That's yeah, that, that no, lazy. L- literally nothing. Lazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, so whilst that was going on, uh, I was at Centre Parks. You were doing nothing. Uh, but in in the meantime, we've actually signed some players. Well, it's the last time I went to Centre Parks was pretty much the same weekend about two years ago. Uh, and last time I sat in a hot tub, we were losing five nil to Watford. So this time we actually signed a couple of players. So it's a bit. And of we a weren't playing. And we weren't playing. I've just remembered, by the way, I was at QPR Blackburn FA Cup game. Oh, you went to so that. Oh, so there you go. That, so, that kind of counts. So you got something. to see some misery for a London <laughs> yeah. football club. Yeah, yeah, just in a different colour. Yeah, uh, right. But uh, Charlton have made two signings and, and uh, shipped one out. Uh, these, this is in no particular order because I can't remember what order they came in. But we signed. I think the, the standout signing for me, Nathan Byrne, uh, has come on loan from Wigan till the end of the season. Twenty-four years old, winger. Sounds pacey. Yeah, yeah, very exciting, and um, I think when we kind of wrap up all these ins and outs, it's going to sound very much like at the moment we're replacing um, the the outs with with other players, but 
you know, it's difficult to compare him to Lookman because obviously they're different stages of their career. But from what I hear and from what I've seen of him at, at Wigan and and previously at Swindon, I think um, I like what I see. I think he's a, an attacking player. He's got some pace. He's going to be able to deliver the ball into Josh McGuinness, which obviously he's going to like. So, yeah, he's a player I'm looking forward to seeing and hopefully he can get in the team. I don't know about this weekend, whether that's come too soon, but fairly soon. Well, Carl Robinson talking about him, sort of saying how he, how, how he absolutely tore up this league when he was at Swindon mm. um, a few years ago. He went off uh, to Wolves. I think he moved for a fair bit of money to Wolves and then uh, ended up at Wigan this season where he sort of had a, a bit part, really, yeah. playing uh, playing this season. But, uh, As I say, it's Swindon, I really remember him. and I don't know, they must have had a couple of games on TV that season because I've definitely seen him play. And uh, Yeah, it was then that I was really, really drawn to him and... Yeah, as, as you say, maybe not had. I think he's played, you know, ten or eleven games at Wigan, so not really had much chance to make an impact there. But he comes to us, and Carl seems very enthusiastic about it, and and I agree for the most part. And Carl Robinson, obviously, when he first talked, when he first came here, talked a lot about how he um, uh, loves wingers. Effing loves wingers. I understand yeah. was the actual quote <laughs> in the uh, in the uh, and, and we don't forget we're losing Jordan Jordan Botark now off to the African Cup of Nations. Hopefully, Ricky Holmes. Will be involved on Saturday. We're hoping, mm. but um, you know. So, we, in, in terms of options on the wing, now did you feel like we, we're getting to a place where we want to be? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we talked last week about how much of a blow it was to lose Lookman, and we're never really going to be able to to replace him, as I say, like for like. But you know, you look at Chickson; he's come in over the last month or two, and I think has made a, a very good impact. Bataka, we're going to lose for a month, which is tough, but. As we were saying before the show, when he plays 90 minutes, he's not looked as brilliant as he has as an impact sub anyway. Um, we've got the likes of Ricky Holmes coming back, who, as you say, well, we've all seen what an impact he had at the start of the season. So we've got options there, which is good. I still don't think the squad's completely full, and uh, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about where we might still need to strengthen. But I think with the formation and the style that Carl plays, I think he's bringing players in that will will aid that and... Uh, and Nathan Burns certainly one of those. Well, especially if he is as pacey as, as what everyone's saying. Like yeah. I say, apparently, when he was at Swindon, he was he was the, one of the standout players in League One. If if he can bring that attacking pace down the wing, you know, I think you know, we, we we scored four goals last time out, mainly mainly from crosses and long balls. Actually, if we yeah. want to start attacking on the floor with pace, and it sounds like that'd be the sort of player we want. It's a shame, really. It's alone. Um, if, if hopefully if he turns out to be the the real deal, then then we'll try and try and get hold of him in in the, in the summer properly. But. Yeah, well, I think if we if we go on and we were to go up, and if he settles in here and he's had a good a good time here, he's obviously going to then want to stay with us in the championship. You would think if we struggle, then then maybe not. But as you say, I think one thing we've talked about well, for best part of two years now is about having some stability, and that doesn't only count for the manager and our position in the league, but that counts for players as well. And um, yeah, he's someone. Uh, as I say, we haven't we haven't seen him in in the shirt yet. But if he has the impact that I know he can have, then he's someone I'd want to stick around. Mm. Uh, what was the weather like before you came in? By the way, I've been saying for about two oh, hours. Uh, absolutely snow- terrible. Is it snowing? Yeah, snow, sleet. Yeah, oh. I, I learned that my shoes, my work shoes, were not built oh, to cope with this okay. sort of weather. This just occurred to me. I need to worry about getting home after the yeah, show. Yeah, that's something you should probably check during yeah. one of the breaks. Yes, because we also we had we had a tweet in from Katie Buckland just saying last time Charlton beat Millwall it snowed. Mm. Which is a good point, but do you remember, do you remember the four oil? It was snowing then as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, even the snow magic's rubbed off. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't use that one. Right, the second signing we made now, this, this, um, again, I can't remember who came first out of the two of them. 
the Chickson or the <laughs> terrible joke. That was. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lewis Page signed uh, from West Ham. 2.5 year contract now, 20 years old. He's a left back. Obviously, he was announced just before the departure of Morgan Fox, which we'll come mm. on to in, in a few moments' time. But, you know, you, you're looking at, at him as a signing. Now, he's the one that. So we were just discussing off air there. Really, we, we don't really know what to expect. You see, you often see players who who go through the youth teams at big clubs like West Ham. As there's one who's, who went from Man City to Fleetwood today, I noticed. And, and right. these players who obviously, when when you're a, a youth team player at a big club, you're full of promise. And mm. often it doesn't quite work out that way. And you have to take a, a drop down the league and then see where you go from there. So you, it, w- when it comes to that, you don't really know what to expect. Yeah, it's a. Uh yeah, it's going to be. It's going to take some time, I think, for him to settle. I mean, he is still very young. He's only twenty. Um, he's had loan spells, hasn't he, this year at, at Cambridge and at Coventry. Mm. Um, Cambridge, he only had a few games. But what did Co- you make at Cambridge say though? Uh, I haven't spoken to him, yeah. so I'm not sure. Um, but he only, as I say, only had the six games, so I, I don't know an awful lot about him. But what, whatever people say about Fox's form, um, I think. Fox always worked hard uh, uh, and really gave his all. And if Page can come in and do that and add that maybe a little bit more consistency, because I think that was the main problem with Fox was he could be brilliant, but he could have days where where he was just not good. Um, if Page can bring that consistency, which is difficult for a youngster, then we've potentially got a left back there for a very long time. Um, with Solly obviously on the other side, that again that stability that I've been talking about that that could be good, but. As you say, he's dropped out, dropped down from a, a Premier League side, and there's every chance that in a couple of years we realise that actually he's not that great. But Carl obviously enjoys working with youth players, and we've seen him bring in the likes of Arebo already. Um, and here's another young player. You would think they're going to get along. Carl seems like the sort of manager that youngsters want to play for. So yeah, it'll be he's one that's going to take a few games to kind of figure out exactly what his game is. I think. It'd be interesting because some of the Coventry fans, when you look on social media, didn't seem to rate him too high. No. Obviously, you're playing in a in a poor team at, at Coventry. Hopefully, you, hopefully, you're coming in to play on a team that's sort of on the up after you know a, a reasonable Christmas period for us. Yeah. So, so hopefully, hopefully, that confidence. And obviously, you can't always base it on what fans of other of other clubs you, say. You can't. Um, and obviously, people go through different form at different clubs. But that is often a good gauge, just in general, of what people think of a player and. You compare him to, is it De Silva that we signed from Chelsea? Mm. Uh, the reaction from Chelsea fans when he went was that we'd signed a really good player. And you think that he was more for, not for now, and maybe for experience with the youth team. But actually, there's only a year or two's difference in their ages. So if they're both fighting, I think he's a left back as well, isn't he? So if they're both fighting for that spot, then you know that gives some healthy competition there. And again, going back to Fox, who we'll come on to about his departure in, in a bit, he... One of the things that he struggled with, I think, this season was that lack of somebody really pushing him for that spot. Um, and that's perhaps why his inconsistency, you know, we weren't able to just drop him and put somebody else in there. So, mm. OK, they're both young, but if they can fight out for that place, then that could be, could you know, improve each other's game, hopefully. Right, so obviously uh, Morgan Fox in the box, uh, as, as you say, made, made his move up to Sheffield Wednesday, undisclosed fee. Uh, so we're not really sure how much that one is. Mm. Um, we did 116 games he had in a hell of a lot of games considering he's only 23 I think yeah um, I, I personally sad, sad to see him go because I, I liked him as a player I know, I know a lot of fans didn't uh, I liked his graft uh, from, what I, from what I'd see every week I, I mm. don't think he's anywhere near as bad as, as some fans as sort of as, as sort of the reputation he, he gained yeah other fans didn't think other fans didn't see it that way and obviously that's, that's up to them um, 
you surprised to see him go to Sheffield Wednesday? I mean, obviously linked with him, but I was going to say he's been linked for a while, hasn't he? And uh, there was those bids in the summer as well. And I think I, I wasn't necessarily surprised in that sense. I, I am surprised that he's made that step back up to Championship level. If I'm being honest, just based on his form this season. Um, but like you, I, I was I was sad to see him go, and I think I'm not here to to say fans should think one thing or the other, but um, I personally don't feel that he deserved a lot of the criticism he got either. I think, for me, a player that comes in and gives their all, that's a big part of it, especially over the last three three years or so where we've seen players come in who perhaps aren't that fussed about playing for the club, and that's purely my point of view. There might be other people that go, I don't care whether he tries or not, I want him to play well, and that's completely their opinion, but for me, that was someone who always did come in and give his all, and f- to that end, I was disappointed to see him go. And he did have, it's, it's not like he was a, a terrible player all the all. time. He certainly, he certainly had good spells in the team. And as I say, when, when Royce Wiggins originally got injured and he came in, Wiggins then got fit and couldn't get back in the team because Fox was playing so well. And as I say, he's gone through spells and I think where he struggled sometimes is partly because he's been in a, a fairly poor side and partly because he's had nobody pushing him. And as a left back who is fairly attacking, it's very easy for him to become a scapegoat because often he then looks out of position when we concede. But I think if we're being honest, as I say, he's played in a lot of fairly poor Charlton teams and teams that have been on poor runs of form. Uh, he was scapegoated out, but there were games, absolutely, there were games where he didn't have good games and he was at fault for a lot of things. So it's the same with any career, really. I think I'd like him to go there and do well. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, a improving team this year. Um, but yeah, he goes with my best wishes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, considering he did, he did get a fair bit of stick, I thought it was quite a nice touch when he put on his Twitter account um, a little message. He said, firstly, I'd like to say thank you to all the Charlton fans that have supported me over the years, from signing for the academy to going on to play over 100 times for the club. It's been an honour. For sure, there have been highs and lows with a group of lads that are together now. Things are on the app up. And he also tweeted uh, like a a little montage of his favourite memories, his goal against QPR, celebrating at the den that looks like with uh, Alu Diara, celebrating with Jacko, obviously got to put one with a skip, and then also when he won, when he won the uh, under-21 Professional Development League 2 mm. uh, over at Cardiff. We've, we've won that trophy loads of times, at least three times in, in my recent memory, so I've been to two of the finals. football, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a ni- nice touch from Morgan there. So, so now, like I said, we're, we're hoping at least for at least one more, not sure who yet. Um, Tony Watts coming back in as well, as sort of, and mm. it could be considered like a new signing if if he if he ends up playing uh, consistently for us as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I assume uh, I assume we'll play the Carl's bit or bits of Carl's press conference later. But he talked about it again today and said he's not finished. Um, I think on the whole, when you look at the defence, there's not a lot that we need to change there, provided nobody else goes out. But I think there's still strength in. I still think maybe an extra wide player to come in. Um, an May- extra wide player like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely not him. <laughs> um, I think maybe another central midfielder. Uh, and then I still think, although, and again, we were talking before the show, when you look at the strikers we've got, we've got Novak, Jose, McGuinness, and now Watt back. I'm not sure, personally, whether, and this is just my opinion, whether Robinson fancies a Jose. And I'm also not sure whether, for all Novak's hard work, whether he's quite enough to work as a, a supplement striker to, to Josh. Um so I wonder, and also there's obviously Josh is pretty much undroppable at the moment, but there's every chance he could have a drop in form at some point or get injured. So I still think we need somebody else up top, but I think we need to be quite specific about the type of player we buy because a Jose came with all, all this reputation and all these goals and clearly is very good at that, but doesn't 
quite seem to fit into the system we're playing, so we need to be careful about who that is. Mm. Uh, right, Matt Brown tweeted in saying that he's happy with the signings, but still think we could do with maybe one or two just to strengthen the team. Also, just need some sort of consistency, and that's hopefully, I guess, what we're mm. we're hoping we could we can strive for over the next few weeks, starting with Mill on uh, on Saturday. Right, I think we have a quick break. We've got an email into the inbox, which we're going to read in a minute. Uh, also, going to discuss uh, the street uh, street violence ruins lives uh, campaign. With uh, Nick Darville from the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, which is quite important. We're going to talk about the women's team. Charlton Connection this week. Don't forget, Kevin and Lisby, send us in your favourite memories. Obviously, uh, everyone's picked out a particular one, but there was one that I was, when I was trying to, uh, thought of a couple actually today, okay. uh, that we're going to discuss later on and uh, before we preview meal hearing from our manager, Carl Robinson. Right, we're going to be back in, uh, in 30 seconds or so. Is, uh, we'll, uh, we'll join you then. Charlton Live. They all need a snorkel. Charlton Live. From the home of time. Home of time. This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. So welcome back, Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. Louis Mendes and Tom Wallin in the studio here. A very snowy. Uh, Valley. If Andy Durso was here, he'd be having a he'd be having a stroke. Right yeah, now. Oh my god, we have to cancel everything. He'd be calling the show off. That's yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Um, we uh, we've had an email into the inbox. Which I thought I'd share with uh, with you guys. Now this email's come from uh, uh, Josh Hurst. I hope you're well, Josh. Thanks for thanks for dropping your email into studio at chatwinlive.co.uk. Says hello, guys. I've supported Chatwin since I was five. I'm now 28. Me and him exactly the same age. You win a prize for being the same age as me, Josh. Uh, no, you don't. I've seen fantastic times, the rise and many falls. Supporting Chalwin has nothing to do with winning or trophies, etc. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> if I wanted that, I would have supported Chelsea or Arsenal or the old fail-safe Man United. But we don't. We support Chalwin through Fick and Finn. The sad part is I'm terribly, terribly worried about our future fans. I have a three-year-old son and another baby on the way, wife due in mid-March. Good luck to, to you there. Uh, I'd love my children to grow up supporting Chalwin, but the sad truth is... I would hate to take them there. The atmosphere is understandably toxic. Everyone just moans and gets on the playing staff's back straight after the kickoff. I hate Roland as much as the next Charlton fan, but I honestly feel all this anger and the protests are annoyingly falling on deaf ears. Apart from bad PR for Roland, what have the protests achieved, if anything? Half empty valley, no new fans coming through. If he sells in the near future, the ground will simply will still be empty. People will just associate us with all this negativity who would want to bring the children to games that have flares and constant slagging off of the players etc I just feel supporting or not supporting the team will have zero impact for Mr Roland de Chatelet he doesn't care if there's 27,000 there or just 27 people here get the valley back get the team up with actual support forget Roland and co look at Man United all the anti-glazer stuff with the Norwich scarves got a lot of press but they're still there thanks for taking the time to read this have a great show as always that's from Joshua Josh thanks for your email um, what, what did you make of that? I mean, obviously, I, I'll, I'll always say I think fans getting on players' backs. I think that happens everywhere. Mm. The negativity, that obviously the, the, there is negativity because of the protests and stuff. But I don't. I, I honestly, I mean, 
uh, th- th- there's clubs worse for it than us. And I always point out Rotherham is the worst I've ever heard because I've never been so shocked as how much of, of fans get on their, on their own players' back as Rotherham. Like even Millwall, mm. when before they scored their first two goals against us, they were calling their manager everything under the sun, telling their players, you know, that that happens everywhere. I, f- I think that's the state of the fact. And obviously, the protests. The, the, the half-empty valley, I mean, you can understand his point being made there. There, there aren't many people here, uh, and a lot of that probably is a result of protests because people have just been just realised how much they're not enjoying it and, and they just don't come anymore. Yeah. Um, you can understand that. It's sort of like, I, I think mainly, I, I don't think you can blame the protests for the way it is here. I think you blame Roland first and, and, and the, the protests come out of that because of that. I think... Yeah, I think both the protests and people staying away are results of the the way the club's being run. So I don't think it was like there were 10,000 people here and then people protest and then there were nine and a half and then people protest again and then there were nine. I think there were however many people there were and then as a result of this, some people have decided to show their disdain by protesting and others have chosen to do it by, by staying away. And it, it's so sad to see because this place is amazing when it's full and the fact that even on football for a fiver days now we can't even fill it for something like that is is so disappointing and I don't really the problem is that aside from the, this regime selling I don't know what the answer is to get this stadium full again and it it worries me as well um, that if and when they do sell I, I don't know how many fans will come back I mean you you read plenty on forums and on social media that say as soon as he goes I'll be renewing my season ticket but you know that's you know even if there's 5000 of those that still doesn't anywhere near fill the stadium so success is going to be one thing um i think the ownership change is, is going to have to happen if we're going to bump those crowds back up but no i don't i don't think you can blame the protest but but as i say was it josh who who emailed in yeah, I, i'm as i'm as frustrated as him by by the lack of the crowd because the the atmosphere is is not like it used to be and i think the main the main issue and it's something we said a while ago is is apathy and people just don't want to come now and when you do you know when we were scoring those goals the other day and hammering Bristol 4-1 even then people don't celebrate like they used to and it's that feeling that just seems so embedded now and it's going to be that that's really difficult to get rid of I think Joshua asked what the uh, <coughs> apart from PR for Ronan what has the protest achieved if anything now, obviously there's, there's question of that I mean you, sure, surely you'd have to argue that the protest might have raised the profile the fact that you know certain, a certain type of manager it mm. wasn't you know would w- w- we have the, the likes of Carl Robertson and Russell said if it weren't for protest. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's quite as black and white as that, but I do think they've played their part in terms of, as you say, raising the profile, which in turn has has just maybe helped some of this stuff along. And I, obviously it's all interlinked. And I think, uh, yeah, it just in general, you, you listen to to football shows, not, not necessarily chart-related ones like ours, but just general football podcasts, you know, Five Live, you listen to the radio they talk about us in the same breath as they do about Blackpool, about Leeds, although maybe that's slowly changing, about Blackburn, about Aston Villa, back when they were struggling, or they're still struggling. Uh, You get the impression that if it hadn't been for for some of these protests helping to raise that profile, it might just be talked about as a slip down the leagues, as it was when we previously dropped into League One. So to get ourselves on the front pages like that, you know, even things like the pig protests this season, I think those those sort of things do help. and yeah they just keep us at the forefront of people's minds and who knows short term how much of a difference that makes but long term it might in terms of selling the club and moving on that might just help 
I guess the thing that you can pick up from, from Joshua's email here is that no matter what your stance is on protests or no protests or the mm. owner or against the owner, everyone wants the same thing. And that's what we need to remember to try and, when, when we're seeing these splits in the fan base, that everyone wants the same thing. And that's, that, that's what he says here. We want a, a ground that's full of fans cheering on the team. And, we, and people want that through different ends. Some people want... Some people want that now and think they, that we can still achieve that now. Some people want that through the owner changing. Some people think that will happen even with this owner if we if we start yeah. jumping up the leagues. Which are if we started jumping up the leagues under this owner, I'm sure it would happen. To be fair, if we yeah. went to the Premier League, but obviously a lot of people don't think that's very likely at all. Unfortunately, under the way things have gone, yeah, um, you know, we're, we're all trying to ride a little wave of positivity now that we've won two games in yeah. a row. Like we've won we've won a game and played well in the last game. And we've got a manager. Who, who's uh, quite enthusiastic and you try and ride that wave of positivity but history shows that you know we're, we're going to have to go some to, to keep this keep a rut to keep any form of run going mm. really so but you know if everyone wants the same thing and that's the, the important thing to to try and remember when you look at the forums and and, the, and twitter and facebook and all that that we, we we try not to snipe at each other everyone 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 wants the same outcome and that's Charlton playing out to, to 27,000 crowds every week and, and thrashing everyone 4-0 absolutely yeah and you look at just going back to the, the talk about Morgan Fox earlier everyone wanted the same thing everyone wanted him to be a great left back and for him to aid us winning games some people felt that he wasn't doing enough and therefore took it out of him others gave him a bit more slack but either way we all still wanted the same result from him and and it's the same here and if Josh is right that the protests are keeping fans away, then obviously that's very sad. But you you would hope that those fa- those fans could see what the protesters are trying to do. And equally, I'm sure the protesters aren't out to purposefully stop fans from coming or scare fans or intimidate fans. Uh, the most important thing, uh, as you say, and as we've said for, for weeks and months now, is that whether people have differences of opinion, that's fine, but you have to respect it. And we have to know that as fans, we're... We're the people that, as the the original poster said, we're the ones that were here before Roland and Katrin arrived and we'll be the ones that are here after they're gone. And we need to keep that, that faith, really, because when that does happen, as I say, we do want to start filling the valley back up and it's by sticking together that that will happen. And if we're not and if we're divided and this ownership goes or we do jump up to the Premier League and people still don't want to come, then that's where that's where we'll never be able to regain what we had you know, just a few years ago. Excellent stuff, right? We're going to have a, another quick break here on Channel Live. Then we're going to come back to talk about uh, one of the community initiatives that uh, is happening uh, this Saturday at the Valley. We're going to hear from Nick Darvel from the Channel Athletic Community Trust. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason, can't find hope to believe in. From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Oh, it's a year today. A year today since he was sacked. How sad does that make you feel, Tom? I wondered why I woke up feeling a bit sick in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. S- still hurts. Yeah, it does still hurt. I, was, I mean, just we'll talk about it very, very quickly then, because, I mean, t- today was exactly a year since, since that Huddersfield game. So he actually got sacked a year tomorrow. But mm. it was his last game, everyone knew he was sacked but yeah. after, after Huddersfield. Um, and we're talking about. I, I watched the. Uh, someone tweeted me. Finchy tweeted me the interview with Stephen Henderson that happened after that game. So yeah. You think Henderson's just come off of getting absolutely ruined five nil? Rumours of 
falling out in the dressing room, Carol refusing to come out and speak to us. I mean, that tunnel area was, was just one of the strangest places I've ever been after that game. Just waiting, like the, the club media team, desperately trying to get someone to come and speak to us. Jason, you're just trying to have an innocent shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Jason, Jason, you're having a shower tweet. So out, out of context, it sounds weird, but in context, it made sense. We were waiting for Jason when we was in the shower. I thought, I thought everyone wanted to know, but even J- Jason didn't come speak to us. And Henderson coming out and giving one of the most impassioned and heartbreaking interviews mm. in ter- from what you're going to get from a football point of view yeah. um, after that game and then obviously Carroll sat in the next day and even even comparing then to now it just it just seems it just seems so bizarre the absolute state that the whole the whole playing staff and the whole squad and the whole club was in at that time that would be the one argument for for suggesting that things have improved would be I don't I, I wasn't even at the game so I didn't have to sit through the actual game itself but that was one of the lowest points I've had as a Charlton fan. That that whole few days where there was rumours of Vinegar Joe coming in as the next manager, Carroll not even coming out and fronting up after that game, being hammered in the first place like that. It was just such a difficult time for the club. And yeah, it was just awful. And that Henderson interview really summed it all up because he, he had the bottle to come out and he, he spoke like a fan. And it, it was it was so tough to see. And as you said, when you look, as you say, it, it's almost a different club. Uh, okay, things aren't brilliant now, but now we've got we've got in a manager who who's been in these leagues before, who's got experience. We're bringing in players who've been around this level before and promising young talent. We've got you know a manager who comes out and just talks to the press and is you know interrupts the press halfway through his questions. He so cares so much and wants to get his message across, and it's it is such a big difference and. As we've said, I think pretty much since the start, I don't think we had problems with Carroll as a person, but he was so out of his depth to be to be thrown in as the manager or interim manager or caretaker or interim caretaker or whatever they tried to call him. It just wasn't right, and it was just a massive disrespect to, to Charlton as a football club, and it's nice to see that that's turned around. Uh, uh, obviously not saying that everything's rosy now, but yeah, it's just such a crazy period in the club's history. Excellent stuff, right? So uh, a year to well, a year tomorrow since uh, Cal Fry was sat, but a year today really since his uh, his last game. Right now on Saturday, uh, the club is uh, well, the club's community trust, Charlton Athletic Community Trust, uh, uh, trying to raise the profile of their street violence ruins lives campaign. The campaign which was uh, uh, brought together in uh, the start of, in two thousand and eight after the uh, the tragic murder of a of a Charlton fan called Rob Knox. Now I am. Um, uh, I we I teamed I uh, spoke to Nick Darvel who is uh, is actually left the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. He was the crime reduction manager. He's the outgoing one, but the the, the trust just asked him just to finish off this day really, uh, and uh, he's done just that. So I, I spoke to him on the phone earlier on today to find out what the uh, what what the day is all about and what they're hoping to achieve from uh, from the campaign. So this is uh, Nick Darvel from the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. The, the campaign uh, came about uh, just after May. In, in 2008, uh, with Rob's with Rob's murder, which took place in in Sidcup in in Kent, and it it sort of prompted the, the the thoughts of Steve Sutherland and Jason Morgan from the from the trust in that the trust wanted to do more uh, work that they they could see have an impact on young people in terms of carrying knives and, and weapons. And so they met with, with Sally and, and Colin Knox and wanted to, to discuss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Them, uh, ...about how they, they thought that process could go about. And I think from, from that point onwards, when Jason and, and Steve Sutherland had met the, the Knox family, that it was quite clear to them uh, even though they were clearly and still are grieving badly over the loss of Rob, that they wanted to do something that would make a difference uh, and leave, really leave a legacy in, in the wake of, of Rob's death and losing Rob. And now we're in our ninth year of that of that work uh, and everything that it uh, has achieved over that period really gone from strength to strength. So what sort of things does does the campaign do? You you go out and, and speak to to young people within the community. Well, the, the campaign has um, you know a number of responsibilities. It's about working with young people from in, in a in a prevention setting, making them aware of the dangers of, of carrying knives and, and weapons. And the, the consequences that that can have, not only to them, obviously to themselves, but also to their, to their families and the and the wider community. It works with young people that maybe are under youth offending teams or under court orders uh, that have already been arrested and dealt with for carrying weapons or maybe involved in serious assaults that have that have had weapons involved during the commission of that offence. And in the third tier, it involves uh, young people and young adults that are actually in prison. So the, the, the program and the project actually goes into the prison and works with inmates really around maybe opportunities and how we might, might be able to work with them once they've been released from custody and, and rehabilitate them back into the community. So there's huge challenges connected to all of the aspects of the, of the work. And really that brought together with the game on Saturday. It's the, the club and the trust work very, very closely together to put this on. Uh, and it, it's really designed to, to remember Rob, you know, as an avid Charlton fan, uh, to raise awareness to young people around the dangers of, of weapon carrying, to make them think more about the choices that they make, especially when they're out in the, on the streets and with their friends, uh, and and the actions that they take and the consequences that that will have. A lot of young people are faced with making very big decisions in very tough and challenging circumstances, uh, and part of our work helps them, hopefully, to, to make the right choice 
or more importantly, probably not to put themselves in the position that they find themselves in, just to make those tough choices. The other aspect of, of, of Saturday uh, is also to, to celebrate the achievements of young people throughout that year, the young people that have made significant progress, uh, made significant personal development, um, not necessarily connected with games, they may be connected with other areas of the trust work, like with Prague and State, with, the, with our National Citizen Service. So it's about marking young people's achievements. And on this occasion, we've been marking the achievement of, uh, of a young man uh, from Bexley's Youth Service who has made significant strides this year in, um, in making some good choices and is now going down a really positive path. And, and the icing on the cake is a, an avid Charlton fan and a decent ticket holder, so he's, he's absolutely delighted to be at the game. Excellent. And this, is, uh, this isn't the first time that the Millwall fixture has been chosen as the Street Violence Rings Lives um, Day. Why, why do you choose this, this fixture in particular? Well, as, as you say, the, the, the Millwall fixture is featured in the, in the past, and the, the, the club of and the, the trust have come together to to look at the Millwall fixture, and I think there's some interesting dynamics to it. In that, although there's real rivalry, as you would expect from a South London derby, and everything that 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 gives us, um, it, there's a hope that with what the day sets out to achieve, that it can reduce if there is going to be any hostility, um, either before, during, or after the game, because. The Millwall fans are very closely linked to the, the, to the Jimmy Mizzen Foundation. Uh, and I've actually spoken to Barry and Margaret Mizzen uh, in the lead-up to the, to the game to send them our very, very best wishes. So we've got two young young people that have been that will be very closely connected uh, with this fixture if they were still alive. But unfortunately, and very, very sadly, their lives have been taken all too soon through very violent acts that have taken place on the streets of London. And I, and I genuinely believe that for the thousands of fans that will be attending on, on Saturday to see the game um, take that on board and, and are very, very respectful for, for that as well. Yeah. And, and, and what exactly will the, can the fans expect to see on Saturday? And in what way can they become involved with, uh, with the campaign? I think it's about raising raising their awareness and their and their respect, and really just to just to really embrace the day. I think the day is always a bit of time for reflection. Um, the, the the streets of, of London, uh, but just at this present time, have seen an increase in in violent crime. Um, you know, and that that happens. So, you know, we really just have to make sure that. That, that Saturday you know, marks that marks that that achievement, and and the fans respect that day, which I'm sure they will. Brilliant. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us here on Charlton Live, and uh, for all your hard work at the trust. Now I know you've you've left now. This is uh, your last act, really, with the trust. But thanks for your your work over the years. It's uh, won plenty of awards to the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, and it's something that all us uh, all us fans are very proud of. Thank you.
Dennis is fed in, lovely touch. Goes around his player, chips across the box. Jackson! Oh, yes! What a goal by Johnny Jackson! Arriving late in the box, Holmes Dennis with a pinpoint cross, and the skippers give a Charlton the lead. Charlton Live. <laughs> From the home of time, time. this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Let's not make Charlton now into a team uh, who's going everywhere and must win and must be better than uh, the home side. Charlton Live! Certainly don't tend to do that when we play Millwall, do we? But, no, we don't. Yeah. Right, so that was uh, that was Nick uh, Darville there from the uh, Charlton Athletic, where the outgoing crime reduction manager from the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, uh, talking to us about the Street Violence Ruins Lives campaign. And obviously, um, as as we heard from Nick, the the, the campaign uh, came about after the you know, a tragic murder from, from of, of a Charlton fan, and uh, also mentions that the Millwall fans will probably want to remember Jimmy Mizzen as well. Uh, on on Saturday and 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 these sort of community things. I mean, th- th- we we'd never have a bad word to say about the community trust in here mm. because the the work they do, the award winning, worldwide worldwide recognised work that they do, uh, is is just a real a, a real boost for the club. Really, isn't yeah, it? it's, it's really. Good. I uh, I don't think there's much I can really say about the trust that hasn't already been said over the years. I mean, as you say, their work is internationally renowned, but. This Charlton Millwall game often is, is the focus for for campaigns like this, and and again, it's going to be, a, and it's such a brilliant idea. And just listening to him there, what what's so interesting about this one is the joined up thinking that they've got, and the focus on rehabilitation and, and praising those who've previously maybe committed crimes or been guilty of of carrying weapons or whatever, as well as warning the people who might do that in the future, and linking all of that together. Um, and obviously, a, a local derby, local people, as you say, Millwall have got have had a similar a similar story that's affected their club as well. So, yeah, I think it's certainly the right time to do it. As I say, if it's coming from the trust, it's going to be done well because everything they do always is. So, yeah, uh, and as he said there, it's just to really to use it to raise awareness and hopefully people in in the crowd. You know, it's very easy to get to get taken down a path you don't mean to go down, I guess, and and hopefully this will help people. Maybe not do that. So, stuff. Right, we had a, a couple of tweets in Matt Brown, uh, harking back to that Henderson interview after the Huddersfield five 0 defeat this uh, on this day last year. So that Henderson interview was a tough watch and listen, but it did show how he appeared to be one of the few to care for the fans, and that was certainly a problem we had last season in terms mm. of you know, splits within the within the club. We talk about players wanting the right character. I remember we spoke to Chris Solly at the Player of the Year dinner on uh, on Charlton Live and. Uh, he talked about he talked about how important it was to get the the right characters in for the next season, and that sort of shows that there was this split within the uh, within the uh, within the squad last season. Right, um, EJ Garner says he can't remember a better transfer window to be honest in the January, although there's still plenty of time for it to all <laughs> go wrong. <laughs> so uh, fingers Very crossed, true. fingers crossed, it's right. Right, we're gonna talk about Kevin Lisby in a few moments. Time is our chunk connection with Millwall. He's played a few games on loan. At Millwall from Ipswich Town, so don't forget to get any final memories of Kevin Lisbian. But uh, quick, this quickly on this time last week, we were talking to Kim Dixon, the CFC women's team captain. Delighted to say she was on the score sheet last week as uh, the ladies beat uh, Portsmouth by five goals to nil in the second round of the FA Cup here at the Valley. Hat trick, of course, for Kit Graham 
Bless Same old. Yeah, barely a game goes past where she doesn't get a hat trick. And also a header from Kim and a header from Katie Bottom. Now, when I watched the highlights, I, could, I couldn't get here last week because I was away, but when, when I watched the highlights, I think almost all of the goals came from crosses, mm. including at least three from corners. Now, if, if I was Portsmouth ladies, I'd be working on my corners a bit more from now on. Not only that, but now we've got rid of Lookman as well. Maybe, is it Avila, who's the, uh, the corner <laughs> yeah, taker? Maybe she fancies the game with the, uh, with the men's team. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was obviously, I couldn't make it either because I was a mile away asleep but uh, yeah every time a goal went in I was really kicking myself that I hadn't come down and, and I did intend to um, but yeah fantastic for them and when we spoke to or rather you spoke to to them last week it was obviously exciting to be back at the Valley and I think they've got a good record here they never lost here is that right? Yeah that's um, last week. Yeah and they've obviously carried that on and yeah, it's great for them, uh, and they've done the draw, haven't they? Now, um, yep, yep. Next round, the next uh, round. So. It's, uh, uh, Charlton are playing Sheffield Ladies. It's no Wednesday in United. It's just Sheffield Ladies mm. uh, on Sunday, the fifth of February. And if you're going to go to that one, time, you have to travel slightly further because it's currently down to be played at Thamesmead. I don't know if, there, if there's any plans of moving that, but it's kind of t- down mm. to be played at Thamesmead, which is where. Uh, sporting clubs Thamesmead which is the most grandiose title for a non-league club in Thamesmead <laughs> uh, where they're going to be playing the third round of the FA Cup Sheffield ladies I think they're playing the league below the Super League so Super okay. League 2 I believe they're in uh, Ritesh Mizro is the, uh, the, the manager now of the Charlton women's team and it uh, looks like he's got off to a, a decent start which is good 400, uh, 400 plus in attendance so I, oh, I hope, yeah, I'm yeah, sure all enjoyed the because uh, you don't get attendances like that down at Thamesmead I mean, that's, that's no, a great attendance not. I know it's Portsmouth seems to bring a coach load of fans as well, which is really they good. They take them everywhere, don't they, Portsmouth? Yeah, yeah. No, that is really good. I didn't realise there was going to be as many as that. So. Excellent. So I'm sure every uh, all the Charlton fans, at least in attendance, have enjoyed that that 5-0 victory for the CFC Women's Right. We're going to have a quick break, then we're going to come back and remember a bit of a Charlton cult hero, I think is probably the best way to describe him. That's a loud one, isn't it, from the, the mascots from pre, pre-Bristol. Right, Charlton Connection Week. It's time to remember the man who gave us this very special moment. And there they go, and Lisby, what a run! Oh, what a goal! What a hat-trick! What a moment at the Valley! Now, you can never, ever forget Kevin Lisby's greatest hour when he scored his, his hat-trick against Liverpool. Now, this is a, a player who, who the, the running joke has always been he's the young and up-and-coming Kevin Lisby because we always, uh, that's how we always saw him. He's, mm. He seemed to be the young and up-and-coming Kevin Lisby for years and years. 38 years old now he is. That's not good, is it? Ma- where, where's good, the time gone? Yeah. That's, that's really yeah. scary. He's currently, currently playing for Whitehawk in the National League South, scored against Crawley Town last night in the, whatever the local non, like the local non-league cup competition is there. 
the Crawley Cup or something. I don't know. Where are they from? The South S- Something Senior Cup. Yeah, that <laughs> one of those. With Rob Charlton going to the Kent Senior yeah. Cup. Surrey, is it? Surrey. I don't know. Uh, Gatwick Stead Airport. doesn't know. Yeah, Stead doesn't know. So I knew he scored last night. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, so still playing, still playing his trade. Uh, 10 caps for Jamaica. Did play on loan for Mill from, uh, from Ipswich about 10 times, I think. I think overall, like, his most, um, his most prolific season for us was 2001-2002 when he scored five league goals. I mean, he never he never scored a hatful, did he? He always had this bit of promise. And he, I remember after the Liverpool hat-trick, and then I remember he, we played Birmingham away on the telly not long after that, and he got injured in that game, but he, looked, he actually looked quite mm. sharp in that game. Um, but he, ne- he never kicked on to, to the potential that we thought he potentially had. No, I think the, the two phrases you've used there really sum him up brilliantly as a promising youngster and a sort of cult hero. Um, because he didn't, for a striker, didn't score a hatful of goals for us, but everyone seemed to seemed to love him, and obviously that hat trick helped a, an enormous amount. Um, but yeah, it was one of those players that we just had that relationship with, and I think we all really wanted him to do well. I mean, obviously you want all Charlton players to do well, but you really, every time he got on that pitch, you'd just be wishing him to do well, and it, it never quite happened. I know he had, yeah, he had an unbelievable pace when he first yeah, came into the team, which, uh, really quick, yeah. and uh, then it was just. Uh, injuries and he didn't he have nosebleeds one year and that, that there was some I seem to yeah, remember that, that does ring the bell and um, I think he had a, a it was something more that, serious yeah. wasn't it um, so there were things that just seemed to happen that just seemed to yeah. prevent him really kicking on and as you say even now at 38 we're still thinking of him as this promising youngster and he never really managed to fulfil that well, so I asked you guys for your memories ill-advised on Twitter said that late goal in the 1-0 away win at Chelsea a late late header at Stamford Bridge I remember Flaggy of course would mention the, uh, the hat-trick against Liverpool Daniel Crawford mentioned it as well he said personally for me I saw him him and Koncheski at McDonald's before a match as well so maybe that's why he never kicked off <laughs> that would explain yeah. it Mark Griffiths uh, said a bicycle kick in our early Prem days against Sunderland yeah I remember that was a, a late equaliser to make it 2 all ones actually like we weren't in real danger but it was about two games of the season that point secured our our Premier League survival that season so some, some good memories there of, uh, of, of young Kevin Lisby uh, and uh, thank you for, for sending those in right we're previewing Mill now and we've got a chance to listen to uh, Presto uh, Tony Hub BBC Radio Kent was uh, speaking with uh, Charlton Athletic Manager Carl Robinson ahead of this week's South London Derby with Mill talking to Charlton Manager Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's South London Derby at home to Millwall Carl, it was only last month that uh, you were angered by the manner of Charlton's 3-1 defeat at Millwall. Are you still hurting, and is there a move within the camp to make amends on Saturday? Uh, of course, of course. And we're proud to be associated with this football club. Um, I know what this fixture means. Um, I think you've seen automatically after them meeting Bournemouth, um, the first club they mentioned was us. So I think that is, uh, just shows you how big the game is. But we're, we're ready for this. That happy game is brilliant. That's why our, our game is probably the best game in the world. Um, because of these uh, these atmospheres that we can create. And it's, uh, it's going to be bitterly cold, isn't it? But I'm sure the atmosphere will be really warm and very hostile when we come around to 3 o'clock on Saturday. It's 21 years, and I'm sure you've had this. Yeah, but people uh, say this. People get, well, let's put this right. How many years have we not played them for? So sometimes it can be a little bit. We've not beaten them for a long time. We get that. We understand that. Um, but every every run comes to an end. Every run. Uh, so we just we want to be the ones to do that. Um, they'll know how important it is. They'll be. They'll know. They want to keep the run going. We want to break the run. 
all the talking in the world is, is meaningless. I said this for the last game. A lot of talking was done and we, we didn't perform to the best of our ability, so it's a bit of a waste of time in some ways. Um, but we're in great form. There's seven points out of nine. I know they're in good form as well coming into this game, but all we can do is worry about ourselves. We, When you look at what our bench will be on Saturday, we're starting to get close to the team that I want to be a part of. Um, there'll be one or two things still to be done, hopefully. Um, we're still not the finished article. There'll be probably four or five changes, certainly, probably from last time we played them. And um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get it right this time for our fans. Beat Millwall and you as Charlton manager are guaranteed instant immortality <laughs> among the Charlton supporters. I'm not. They can't have a scout with immortality in South London. <laughs> um, but it's not about me. It's never about me. It's about the bites that we, that we, we wear every day. Um, the club has immortality in everyone's heart already. So it's not for me to, to have immortality within that football club. There's been some great people that have passed through this door, this very famous door. And I think it's uh, it's an honour to be sat and a privilege to be the manager. Um, but at no stage is ever about one person. It's a collective effort. And that's from the terraces to the pitch to the, to the coaching office right the way through. And uh, like I say, I certainly have a drink every win, put it that way. You've had a two-week break to prepare for the match. Has that been beneficial to the team's focus? Um, yeah, they've had a good rest. Uh, I can honestly say since I've been here, Saturday and Monday and Tuesday training sessions, were probably the best of pieces have been here. The intensity and the ball speed is starting to quicken up. Uh, the intensity and the pressure is starting to get there. Um, we'll be doing more today to get ourselves prepared and Every minute that passes takes us closer to the kickoff time, and uh, that's what we're, we're, we're preparing for. You've been busy in this transfer window. Will you be handing debuts to any of the newcomers that have arrived at the club? Um, a few, a few, yeah. You can't <laughs> elaborate on that. Uh, not yet, no. There's one or two obviously changes that we'll make. Uh, some for, some not for. So obviously, Foxy's not going to play. Uh, so we can definitely guarantee Adam Oler's not going to play. Um, but there's a, a lot of a newness to the group at the moment. There's a lot of getting to know each other again. So that'll take time to build a, a rapport. Uh, and like I say, we're uh, hopefully getting closer and closer to it. Today, Declan Wood's back in training again today. Uh, he's trained all week. Ricky Holmes is training with us today. Tony Watts is training fully properly today. Uh, Jake Fosakashi comes back into the squad, obviously, after his performance on Monday. He's not trained with the group yet. He's done individual stuff and 23 stuff. Um, so as you can see, there's an awful lot of changes. You just touched on Tony Watt, a huge, huge crowd favourite at Charlton on his previous stay here. And a manager's favourite. <laughs> a manager's favourite as well. Um, what I am seeing in my time here, I think the fans like that bit of individuality. They like that maverick uh, but a maverick who, who has a passion for the game, not a maverick who has no desire to play here. Um, and Tony said, since I've spoke to him, he's got a desire to stay and play. Um, that, inclusive with the maverick that he is, um, makes you get off your seat every time he'll get the football. Uh, Ricky Holmes is that type as well, isn't he, that we've seen. Nathan Byrne would be that type as well. Nathan Byrne's a little bit more, little bit more consistent in his performances. The two young boys in midfield, and now obviously in midfield now with, with Joe, uh, as 
Crofty, Freddie and Jake. It's a strong, obviously we know Edge can move the right back if we need him to and the centre back is covered as well so we've got a lot of flexibility within the group. Uh, I'm really excited, I really am. I'm looking forward to the so uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of there's a change in some ways I feel. I think press have said that to us over recent weeks. And players will tell you that in the building. Uh, and I'm now starting to feel that as well. There's a there's a shift in performances. There's obviously a shift in points. Uh, we've got to capitalise on the points tally and, and there's no better way to do it than at home to Millwall on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. Tony Watts levels of fitness, um, have they satisfied you? Um no. But his desire to make them better has. Uh, he worked very hard. He's uh, when you see his fitness stats from when he trained at heart, he wasn't at a level that I'd expect. Um, so I have to work on that. But at no stage has he quit on anything that I've asked him to do, and that's a positive sign for me. So mentioned before that you've been busy in this transfer window. Are you likely to make any more signings yeah. before it closes? Yep. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, there'll be a few going out as well, so there's still an awful lot of business to be done. That revolving door will keep revolving, hopefully, and uh, it'll be a new look chart as we go into February. What's the priority? What position are you looking uh, to strengthen? I don't think it's a case of a position anymore. It's to find somebody that's better than what we already have at the top end of the pitch. For me, that's where that's where at this level, if you score a lot of goals, you win a lot of games. And I think it's it's it's. A lot of people go the other way in clean sheets. I go the other way and score a lot of goals, and that's how I want to. That's how I want to play, and hopefully we can do that over four to weeks. Now a familiar face has arrived back at Charlton today, <laughs> um, Lee Bowyer. Now, what can you tell us about this? Uh, Lee's just somebody that uh, known through friends in some ways, and he's just moved back closer to the area. Uh, I've got for two very young midfield players that I feel need to start scoring more goals. Uh, so when you put, hang on, this fella scored in 99 career goals he scored. So from midfield, not as a 10, as an old-fashioned midfield player. Um, although I don't think he'll take the old-fashioned bed, he's only 40. But you know what I mean by that, he was a box-to-box, he was probably one of the last ones of the, the mould who could score and tackle and excite people. Uh, and then I just thought, well, why not bring him in today, do some bits of extra work with young Joe Rebo and young Esri Conter and some of our young midfield players. I think he's a, he's a good role model in, in some ways. He's a, more for what he did on the pitch and his tenacity and his desire. Uh, I know he's just starting out on coaching. I know that's not he's not achieved what he wants to achieve yet. He's, he's certainly on that path to wanting to do so. Uh, he came to watch him in the 23s game in here a month ago. And we let Christmas go out the way and things die down. He's now back and he's a ball come in and put that famous badge of ours back on and, and just every now and then just do a little coaching session and do we want to do some finishing with some of our younger players this afternoon uh, and I just got informed he, he scored at the Valley last time we beat Millwall and hand on heart you were here I didn't even have a clue on that so it's uh, it, it, he left this club very very young and went on to a wonderful career club and international level so I think young players will look up to so he'll just look in now and again yeah he's not an official staff member um, if you look at my record at MK Donzi and Wright, Robbie Fowler, Andrew Winterburn, I had a number of players who would come in. There's two guys. Uh, I had a lot of players who came in, who someone who I worked with, some of my friends, uh, Paul Ince as well, who you look at and go, 
well, they've achieved great things. And sometimes the strength of maybe as a as a manager is is not knowing everything and understanding that and being able to step aside and let some of these legendary names and people uh, have a different voice to my players and and some of the coaching sessions are very unique, a lot of fun involved, um, but it's more about what they can say, the words of encouragement, the words of advice and in, in, like in anything in life, with age and becoming more experienced and more know-how and the ones who really grasp coaching are the ones who utilise all that and then are able to pass it on in a very informative way and I think it's great that we can bring these people in and it's not a case of me being secure in my job it's showing that I have security in myself and confidence in myself that I can let people come in and, and help and it's nice that they're willing to do so and, uh, and maybe it's a sign of things again people want to come in and help we haven't had that for a while have we so it's uh, it's nice and hopefully people appreciate it I certainly appreciate his time and I'm looking forward to it. Well, he should be here, so I'm late. I need to go and get him. <laughs> so he'll just take the midfielders for a session? Yeah, at the end of the session, he'll just take one or two of them and just maybe just watch. And he wants to learn as a coach, so he feels that he can come and watch his work as well. So it fits, it works for everybody. And he lives local. So he's a local boy. So it'll be nice to have him back home. Carl Robinson, thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. So it's very interesting stuff really about uh, Lee Bowyer coming back for starters. We haven't got too long left to, to preview the game, but we'll just mention Lee Bowyer at first and coming back. It's a bit of a you know, a bit of a wonder kid really when he was here, what was supposed to be the next big thing and went on to, to have a decent Premier League career. Yeah, and uh, and as Carl says there, he's got a huge amount of experience that he can hopefully bring to these young players because with the great respect to Carl and everything he's doing, he's not only young in age, but young as a manager as well and mm-hmm. only that experience at one club. So yeah, Boya, as you say, had a, a pretty decent career, really, so can bring hopefully bring something to the midfield. Sounds like it's a bit of a one-off for him coming mm. in, but yeah, it's a good experience for Lee Boya as well, of course, he's trying to carve out a, a, a coaching career. Now, obviously, Millwall, we, n- nothing more needs to be said about our record against Millwall. We all know exactly how bad it is. Um, this is our chance to try and put it right again. Um, Tony Watt coming back in, hopefully, maybe on the bench. Mm. Ricky Holmes, potentially in the squad. Yeah. Players coming back. We'll still lose. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can we can talk about form, can't we? We can talk about the sides, talk about league positions, but all of that really is such a cliche. But all of that does go out the window, not only in any derby, but when we play Millwall, because we invariably end up losing whatever happens. So, uh, I I can say this: I've got a, a feeling that we might nick it, but I seem to say that every time it comes around, and we never do. So, let's just see. Let's hope the players seem more up for it than they were in that that Wednesday night not that long ago, and. Yeah, if we can play anything near we did like we did against Bristol the other week, then I think we could be in for finally, you know, turning that that fortune around and winning it. Let's have a prediction, Tom. If I'm being honest, I think we lose two one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. last time I pre- no, I'm not even going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say we're going to lose two one. Just, right, yeah. just see. I, I also I predict a draw. We're going to be two 0 up, and we'll end up drawing by two two goals each. They'll score twice in the last 20 minutes or so. And Classic Millwall. Once again, ruin us. Right, this has been <laughs> Charlton Live, a big match preview. I uh, hope you can all enjoy Saturday's game here at the Valley if against, it's on. against Millwall. Yeah, let's see how the snow's getting on when we get outside. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us here on Charlton Cheers, Live. Cheers, Louis. Thank you. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. We'll be back on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock to, uh, if we survive, to look back at, at Saturday's game against Millwall. Come on, lads, just once, please. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.